It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we talk about episodes of the Twilight Zone and beyond. This is Matt here. Coming back to chat up some of the zone is from the Mission Log Podcast, where he talks about every episode of Trek in order, not broadcast order, but series order. It's John Champion. Hello. Hey, good to see you. And by the way, just a disclaimer right at the top, uh, I will not be doing a William Shatner impression for this episode. <laughs> uh yeah yeah sorry can, sorry to disappoint how about I have to john leave that hoyt. to norman john hoyt impression I, I, I could try i could try <laughs> i don't know i guess, I guess not you, you could probably pull people wouldn't have enough to like you know <laughs> measure at against he's not quite yeah, as much I mean, in the public consciousness <laughs> not anymore no no um but yeah today's episode is the lateness of the hour i'm pretty sure this is a first viewing for me um this is one of the notorious videotape episodes of course and i i feel like they don't show those in syndication as much i could be wrong but yeah I, it's been a long time since i've watched uh, i mean like every now and then i'll tune in for the twilight zone marathon that you get every year on sci-fi channel but i feel like i'm catching a lot of the same episodes there and they aren't the videotaped episodes um so I, I couldn't remember how many they had done or when that started. So honestly, I was a little surprised because my memory of the episode was not about its technical achievements or failings, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I was a little surprised and, and then read later that this was the first of only six. And I, I thought it was way more than that. Um, but I, I got to say, like, for as much a stylistic shift as that is i think they made the most out of the technology at the time you know like i was shocked at how many cuts and how many creative camera angles they used given that they're on these you know in 1961 that this one came out 61 uh, 60. 62 60. 60. it's december so date so we're almost out of it but okay um and you're trying these giant video cameras uh, on a on a soundstage at the time. I, I think they I, they did the best they could. You know, I can't think of much else that was shot on video at the time that is as creative and artistic as they got out of this. I'm having a look. I, I feel like, you know, watching these sequentially as I am, I'm kind of like they chose the wrong episodes to videotape. Um mm. Mm -hmm. So a few just before I was like, I, the beholder, that would have made a lot of sense on videotape, kind of like, you know, Ooh. your closed caption footage, um, yeah. nervous, nervous man in a $4 room, having that real stagey feel I'm like, yeah, that, that, that could have worked this one. I mean, it, you know, it's interesting. It's a good episode, but yeah, I'm like this, it doesn't benefit from that, you know, and there's a, yeah. a few recent ones that would have actually benefited from that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Right um, yeah. 
I guess I'll just do a bit of trivia. The vi the videotape, I actually, it was, it was like so obvious I left it out of my trivia. So I guess it's where we <laughs> had, a, had chatted it up a bit just there. But uh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, this is the first one. Um, we've already gone on a bit of a rant because I've already recorded Night of the Meek because I wanted to have Christmas as out of time as possible, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that was kind of a conundrum with this podcast. I'm like, okay. A week before Halloween is going to be the Christmas episode, but I gotta sure. do these in order. But maybe you know people can like just sit on it for a month or two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so the trivia on this one is that the air date was December second, nineteen sixty. So we're we were about to hit nineteen sixty one. Okay. The, the teleplay is a Rod Serling original. Uh, we've chatted a bit about director Jack Smite before as he'll direct four Twilight Zone episodes in total, but I've just got to shout out a Ben that he was on some kind of cold fire in the 70s with his run of Midway, Airport 1975, and Damnation Alley, which has one yes! of the best movie posters ever. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. We've, we've already seen Inger Stevens before in the season one episode, The Hitchhiker. Her career... Uh, was was lively during the 60s with titles such as hang em high before a unfortunate 1970 fate with one of our hollywood babylon situations mm. which uh mm. yeah we yeah it's it's weird season one had a lot of like people like this and yeah two, two not so much it's it's weird so i don't know wow wow <laughs> I, yeah. We might hit a few more, you know, season two or only about 25% in. So <laughs> yeah. not, not that I'm looking for people's horrible face, but it is, it's interesting. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, John Hoyt was our patriarch and he has that sort of that guy look. Turns out I know his face as the reprehensible millionaire in When Worlds Collide. And he had mm -hmm. some epic appearances in Spartacus and Cleopatra. I can't remember who wow. he was in Spartacus, though. Yeah, that that <laughs> doesn't ring a bell for me, but uh, but he is definitely a, that guy. Yeah, he, oh, yeah. He's, and the the dude's got presence, and, and I've never yeah. made it through Cleopatra. So <laughs> <laughs> I read a book about it, the making. Yeah, of it, fair. Right? All right. I don't uh, actually want to watch. That's the good. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the lady with the near-orgasmic vocalizations, oh, Miss Lauren, if you're nasty, was played <laughs> by Irene Tedrow. She did Ooh. some radio. She did some stage. But if this episode's not her legacy, it's probably her role as a regular on the Dennis the Menace sitcom. Oh, okay, okay. I, I wonder if at any point Jack Smite, as a director, just said, hey, could, could you just tone it down a little bit? <laughs> with the uh with the massage sounds because it's a bit intense we have some sensors <laughs> <laughs> okay uh if i could ask you to give us whatever reading you wish of the prologue all right here we go the residence of dr william lauren which is in reality a menagerie for machines we're about to discover that sometimes the product of man's talent and genius can walk amongst us untouched by the normal ravages of time. These are Dr. Lorne's robots, built to functional as well as artistic perfection. But in a moment, Dr. William Lauren, wife and daughter, will discover that perfection is relative, that even robots have to be paid for, and very shortly will be shown exactly what is the bill. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, some things I I don't 
think I just recognize the living room. I'm starting to just like, you know, figure mm-hmm. out where I've seen sets before. Um, yeah. I, I, like, I saw there's a the lot Willoughby. of reuse. Yeah, there's a lot of reuse on yeah. Twilight Zone. That Willoughby yeah. um, living room showed up, I think, like two more times since. Um, <laughs> I did notice that the the external mansion shot w- was in the Howling Man a few weeks ago. So I thought that was funny. Oh, just, you know, maybe yeah. They got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, they got Satan in the closet or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, but yeah, going in, let's see. Uh, oh, just one note I have to throw out about the video quality. We'll, we'll shut up mm-hmm. about the video quality. But in the first couple minutes when, when the maid is giving the massage, I really like just for a few seconds thought like SCTV was about to break out. Like you were going to see the maid, and it's going to be like Andrea Martin, you know, with the yeah. sneer on her face. <laughs> so uh, a, a Doctor Tong episode with the uh, the 3D effects coming at the uh, coming at the screen. Um, yeah, it, it it is so weird how not only videotape cheapens the look of something, but if you have a TV that has the overscan turned on, and it it can take something filmed and make it look like videotape, and therefore makes it look cheap. It, it, it's so weird how just we perceive that. But I, I guess that is something because, you know, like by 1980, videotape mm-hmm. was kind of the TV standard. So, but I mean, only only for sitcoms and um, soap operas. Well, and, and like news, you know, th- things that are meant to have that kind of live look. But our, our brains do a thing when we see something that is 24 frames a second. Our brains do a thing where we separate that from live. And I'm using big old finger quotes for people who aren't watching me. Um, and, and it becomes something that you can sort of be detached from like art. Um, and I, my friend James did a whole, uh, I think his college dissertation was about exactly that, but the, there is something that is so specific when you break that barrier and go from 24 frames a second to 30 frames a second, it just completely changes your perception of the thing that you're watching. It's odd, but I think in this case, they have the benefit of being black and white and they also have the benefit of, again, just like the, the, the creative talents making the most of it. Yeah, because that would be the only flaw as far as the direction and mm-hmm. stuff. Everything's like on point for sure. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, I'm thinking a few years ago when um, I saw it in a regular film rate, I think, but uh, when The Hobbit drove everyone insane a few oh, years my ago. God. With the, yeah. that, that was a 30, was it? Now, now my, yeah. my problem was they fell asleep, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I, i'm notorious you. i notorious yeah. have trouble getting through lord of the rings uh so and, and it was after work that i have so okay. like 10 30 at night as well so th- there's a few riders on that but uh yeah yeah i wouldn't be able to do it either yeah <laughs> but no I'm, I'm not your tolkien guy ha- haven't nope. had a look at the new series or anything <laughs> yeah me no me either i'm i'm just i'm not into it um i uh yeah i, I won't say here what i said on mission log that it's not my bag because then immediately uh, Mike Richards, also guest of yours and a host of Mission Like the Orville, did a, uh, a very long form joke about that, how Lord of the Rings is not my bag. But that's for Patreon only. <laughs> I do. I do have the receipt, though, because I, I, I have I have the setup here. You yeah. Know, some, yeah. Someday there I plan to watch it. There you <laughs> that's, go. That's that's the, the first three, not not the Hobbit ones. I, I don't OK. Think we'll, I don't think we'll be revisiting that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um 
at the beginning we we've already talked about the horrible massage noises, but I, I wrote oh down that God. Animal Grunts of Pleasure would be like a solid Motley Crue album, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's about the only other appropriate context for that. It's so weird, and, and again, you have to wonder like they're playing to the limits that they know of TV as it is broadcast in 1960. It's like, how do we telegraph to the audience what's going on? But look, I've had a massage or two in my life, and I've never made those types of noises. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, you didn't have a humanoid robot giving it. Uh, that, OK, that's very true. <laughs> uh, that's very true. Maybe I one see. day when I when I do. But we, we share in it uh, Jaina's displeasure. I didn't write her name in the notes because I heard Jaina. I was like, how do you spell that? You know, and now I'm looking at now I'm looking at Wiki. I got it. So um, J N A, yeah, J N A A, yeah. So anyway, yeah. you you definitely get her displeasure, and I have the impression she just stands there all day. They all like that's the thing. They're just that's their afternoon. Yeah, I guess so. Like she just she must be the most relaxed mom in the entire world, just to hang out in that room and get massaged all day. And Jaina just walk around looking at picture albums. It's very <laughs> weird. Yeah. I mean, this is 1960 and, and mm -hmm. the dad obviously has something in robotics. So maybe they could get like tennis for two or something for her to play. Could be. Yeah. 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 Then the yeah. oscilloscope. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. I think Rock, Rock'em Sock'em had not yet been invented. I think that was late 60s. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. and um, what were the what was yeah? There was some tic tac toe at the time, I think. So mm -hmm. yeah, you could have yeah. two video games on different consoles. <laughs> <laughs> I still maybe you know we were. This might be. I don't know temporally where the episode is. Might be a different podcast, but um, we were talking about the uh, the computer in the seventies, the first the Altair. What did the the Altair actually do? All we could figure out is his blinking lights. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I it, it's incredible to me that a computer like the Altair would spark a computer revolution because I mean a lot of people bought it, a lot of hobbyists played with it, but then how could they extrapolate from that? Like, oh yeah, this is the thing that will help me one day, you know, write a term paper and balance my checkbook and order groceries online. Like, it's it's very hard to make that connection in my head. So. Yeah. Oh, I, that was actually my oral hygiene when we were talking about computers and oh, it mm -hmm. aired two days ago. What do you know? Okay. So someone's ah, hearing cool. me say the same thing twice again, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I was going to segue to this episode, having this weirdly futurist, having these weirdly like modern futuristic sci-fi concepts and doing them in a very analog way where they don't even have the vocabulary to properly talk about this stuff. Well, I, I think that's one of the most charming, interesting things about this episode in particular, but a lot of science fiction from this period when it's done well, because there's a lot of science fiction from this time that is kind of very clunky and it feels hokey. And, and if you see a robot in a movie, I'm sorry, robot, uh, in a movie a few years before, you know, it looks like a guy in an aluminum trash can and light bulbs for eyes. But to have the creativity of Rod Serling and the other people who worked on a show like this and said, like, no, 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 what, what if the robot 
is totally passable as a human being and they don't they don't talk in like weird ima robot like they they don't do the stilted voice there's no telltale sign like their eyes don't glow or anything like that and even the little device that uh that dr lauren has was very sophisticated and something that is believable even to an audience today like yeah we're looking at it through the lens of this is 60 years ago but it, you can still get an idea and you go like, yeah, th this is a logical extrapolation of where the technology could go. And I think that's one of the biggest strengths of an episode like this. I'm thinking about Asimov because I know he gets into some of that in Foundation with the humanoid mm. robots. But I think that wasn't until he started writing them again in the 80s. Wow. When he really doubled. Wow. Like, I don't think the original foundations really get into that, but uh, the, yeah. the, book, the novels from the 80s do. But then this is, you know, this is 1960 still. So, yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, another, just another fun, like, they didn't quite know how to do it. Um, but I think it might have been influential was uh, we recently watched uh, Battle Beyond the Sun, which is a 1960 uh, Moz film. And it has cool. the spinning space station. They're like acknowledging mm -hmm. gravity in 1960 before much had gone up there. You see like a Sputnik <laughs> in there. But then yeah. once you're on the station, just it turns into like 50s ridiculousness gravity. So it's like they, yeah, were, see, they were so yeah. close. They were so close. But then they yeah. gummed it up. Uh, I don't think this one gummed it up. They just didn't know. You know, again, they didn't have the vocabulary to talk about right. what they were actually right. doing. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um. Another one I, I kind of noticed is the argument near the beginning with the insulation is no crime. It's a it's a service with the yeah. report that no stimulation makes us a vegetable. And I was like, I think a lot of people have some like real time practice in that from a few years ago. Um, <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> so that's true. That one really stood out to me. Um, me not actually having having done much of that so well mm -hmm. I, I finally i think i told you i finally got my covid holiday in my room a month and a half or two months ago for... oh hey all right congratulations <laughs> yeah yeah 12 hours of sickness and two weeks of watching wayne's Ooh. world multiple times nice <laughs> good choice yeah yeah but yeah that was another one that i just thought wow that's really like kind of ahead thinking in a way yeah <laughs> our technology is going to keep us you know, at home on our screen. Well, they don't have screens. That's again, that's kind of, um, Oh God, I want to say she, Mana, but that's not her name. I can't. Jana's probably. Yeah. So yeah. I, have, I have like eight students named Mana. So I keeps <laughs> flipping through my brain, <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, I, I, that, yeah, like that, that's one of the things that you miss is that, uh, obviously, it, well, it, it's meant to take place in, 19 I guess like a parallel 1960 you know it, it is contemporary it's not really futuristic like like they're not saying that this takes place in the year 2000 right, right as right. far as yeah I, I, I thought yeah. it was contemporary for sure. yeah yeah so yeah so you don't have screens around the room um I, I think partly that is to throw you off like so the reveal about what uh dr lauren's strengths are as an inventor it kind of builds over time but i, I also i don't find it too hard to accept that a very well-to-do family at that time would probably at least have some rooms in their home reserved without the distraction of tvs without um you know without the things that that maybe a more just kind of uh, like 
younger suburban family might have. Um, and in fact, like like one of the interesting tells in here when they had the argument about going out to a restaurant, um, not only obviously is it to protect Jana from being out in the world where maybe like what if her robotics fail when she's out in the world and she probably doesn't eat, you know, so like these are all things that would be uh, a tell if they took her out into the world. But it was also like a very kind of cultural thing. It's like, no, 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 we're we're the wealthy elite. We get to stay at home and have our servants bring us dinner. And this kind of goes back like this is a very turn of the century thing. If you were wealthy, you, with the exception of some, you really didn't go out. Like going to a restaurant was seen as a lower class thing to do. And certainly, and at a certain time, like Victorian era and uh, with the birth of restaurants in the 1850s, women for sure did not go into restaurants and certainly did not go unaccompanied by men. So to me, it was building this whole picture of this family that had very much decided to live in this uh, kind of cloistered, but this very curated version of what their uh, what their exposure to the outside world would be the the lack of screens told me that the uh the fear of restaurants <laughs> told me that um and just this thing that they're kind of you know the father is much older uh dr lauren comes across as probably like what pushing 70 and jana could pass for like 20 22 25 <laughs> maybe at the most so he's still living in this much older world even though his concept of technology is very advanced um i re- i paraphrased the restaurant quote just because i thought you'd take personal offense to it which is a <laughs> restaurant we'd walk through the rain to eat greasy unpalatable food off of dirty unwashed plates <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love that bit because yeah because yeah, that wouldn't necessarily be the attitude of the average person in 1960 but to somebody who grew up if we think that dr lauren is you know pushing 70 to somebody who grew up in this very old world that would be the attitude like that that makes sense that tracks i totally disagree of course you know (laughs) you uh, give me a time machine back to 1960 and i'm i'm you know fastest taxi i can get to go to uh, le pavillon in new york city oh um i i had the thought so i had had to check john hoyt's age because you're like, he's pushing 70 i was like i'm in the 20th light zone he's probably just 55 or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that was john hoyt's age 55 he was 55 <laughs> but see isn't that weird that in 1960 a 55 year old actor truly looks like he's pushing 70. Yeah. Also, someone has been screaming at their phone or listening device for the past 15 minutes because I forgot to mention his appearance in Flesh Gordon from 1974. Yes, bravo, <laughs> bravo. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I don't... Oh, yeah. and uh, Inger Stevens was 26 at the time. So it definitely could have passed for younger, but yeah, 26 sounds about right. But no, it's just, you know as we do these episodes like oh yeah guy must be 70 up oh, he's 50 <laughs> <laughs> right happens a lot uh, yeah. yeah so you know welcome to the future i guess we're aging better now <laughs> <laughs> yeah for so real there, there is some some real plus there 
Somebody um, did a, a video that I watched on YouTube not long ago about that, uh, that was posing that question. Did people age faster in times previous? And, and it's a little bit of yes and a little bit of no. It's very interesting. Like style has a long way to go for that. But yeah. The, but yeah, also some people just looked older. I don't know why but that that always makes me think of the um the 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 TV series the uh, the Kennedy one I don't I don't know the date exactly 1963 anyway the one with uh, James Franco where they make a point about oh, when he goes back in time yeah. and noticing like the food is better. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh 112263 that that was that yeah. show and it was great but yeah that that was the first thing that I really appreciated about that show is just like the food is amazing, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, that's, that's yeah, my it's dream. Like, it's like you and I don't actually know what a good banana tastes like, you know? No, right. They're, they're exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I have, before I get back into deep thoughts, I have three really non-deep thoughts. Um, one, maybe, again, it was the video, but there were like about two or three just fantastic soap opera stings in this episode. <laughs> bum, <laughs> yeah. bum. I, that, that was yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah. This one, I, I, I feel a little bad for it, but every time I saw Nelda the maid, mm. I thought about the kids in the halls, Bruce McCulloch and drag. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that... you're, you're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was like, Every time I was like, I, I, I must be like thinking too much. And then they show her again. I'm like, that really looks like Bruce McCulloch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, sorry, actress that played Nelda, but uh, it just. She's the one know. that gets thrown down the stairs, right? No, 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 no. No, no. That's, a, that's the other maid. The one that's yeah, doing yeah, the massage yeah, yeah. is. Yeah, the massage. Yeah, yeah. No, when gotcha. that maid goes down the stairs, that is just a fantastic face she has. That <laughs> Look, that is a great stunt. To be done I, again like that on videotape uh not very forgiving at all and then just that smile when she gets up oh wow that's that's yeah. your creepy ai smile i guess yeah yeah that was um, good stuff and um oh what was what do you want a walking record player yes <laughs> <laughs> sure who wouldn't want that yeah. I, I know I, I was just reading recently that Paul McCartney had one in his mini that or the other car. I don't I don't remember. But when I was in high school, I had uh, one of my one of my classmates did try to do the car turntable. Oh, um, cool. It, it nice. didn't work at all because any bump is yeah. screws the whole deal. But eh, he, he was really stoned most of the time. So he didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I have tried to man the the uh, the car record player, if not the walking one. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Twenty years later, forty years later, you get the Muppets '80s robot. That's pretty cool. That's like a walking record player. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. You yeah. go twenty ten for '80s robot. That's so weird. Okay. <laughs> uh, something I well, I, I actually having not seen this episode, I have, I had two thoughts for the twist, and mm -hmm. I wonder if my other thoughts better. One, of course, was oh, she's probably a robot. Or they're yeah. all robots, for all I know. Robots, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, Ro robot. Yeah, yeah I got to <laughs> say it right. By the way, I, so I remember pointing that out on Mission Log a long, long time ago because it's something that always stuck with me that robot is like the accepted 1950s way to say that word, and especially it's prominent in, uh, in Twilight Zone. But I read somewhere, and somebody maybe can send us a link for it. I read somewhere that... It was Anne Francis who said robot 
in like a, a press interview or something for Forbidden Planet, and and literally like she got it wrong. Like everybody else up until that point had been saying robot, and that that is the way to say it. And it's sort of like it, it's sort of like Patrick Stewart getting the script for Star Trek: The Next Generation and saying data instead of data. And from that point on, everybody says data, but. Uh, apparently, like robot was just the accepted way to say that word until, oh. a, you know, a Hollywood star says it differently, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, of course, robot is how it's supposed to be said." I'm sure someone can send us a GIF explaining that, <laughs> or a GIF. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> um, I, I think the inventor did say GIF was the correct. I mean, but the, hey, when is oh get the out inventor of your said GIF? The inventor, oh, the inventor said, said GIF. GIF. I, okay. I, I stick with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. I, I like that that we can we can disagree about what the inventor said. <laughs> but you you could you could be right. I could have mixed it up and twirled it back and forth in my brain for sure. Um, <laughs> for me, the rise of the robots is I'd probably draw the line about silent running. I feel like those are definitely robots and silent running. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Wait, hey, by the way, uh, nobody, you don't need to send it. I found it. It's on Daily Co's. It's an article from 2017 titled, You Are Pronouncing the Word Robot Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it has the whole thing about Anne Francis and, uh, and uh, uh, Twilight Zone and um, Forbidden Planet. So okay. the next one I'll, look up I'll, will be I'll share that with you. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't sabotage my robot. <laughs> you know, uh, living in japan for a while i have sort of the the luxury of playing with my accent a little bit like i don't want to go nuts with it but I, I definitely found for the most part like i've softened my vowels like i don't i try to avoid the sharp american vowels so oh, i sure, would definitely yeah. go for the robot and the robot <laughs> yeah, we have some gnarly sounds in in american english so oh yeah oh yes <laughs> so i i say i've just flattened my i haven't changed my accent but i flattened my vowels so that's mm. nice um, a little more seriously, I, I did get thinking about the the special spark of life. Um, the service robots don't seem to have it. I think we get that from the the smile on the other maid's face. That there's nothing really there. <laughs> yeah, which really raises the very interesting question about what is different about Jaina. You know, do, does Jaina either learn, like, did she evolve into her awareness or was that something programmed? But there is something about her that is special, that is different, that the other robots do not have. In which they, you know, the big twist is they take it away, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, now yeah. I guess he, when he says I got, I turned off all the other the robots couldn't he turn them back on did he like burn them in the furnace in the basement or something i hope he didn't because <laughs> you know they may only be mechanical but they had personalities and and well and particularly you know the one seemed to be very upset uh about the idea that he had somehow displeased the master you know right they go right down there but i'm like did he i think he even says i'm going to turn them off Oof. i don't but then the impression at the end is like they've been like somehow gotten rid of, which I thought was a little yeah. intense. Um, yeah, that's a bit much. My the the other thing I was thinking, like like I said, one idea was oh, they're she's she's a robot, which was the twist, or maybe mm -hmm. they all are. 
the other one I got is it's always raining outside. And, and I started thinking like if they're like in a you know blast from the past style bunker, because like we can't go outside. And oh. I started thinking maybe this is like some weird post-apocalyptic thing where they really can't go outside. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Which, you that, know, that would yeah. been perfectly fitting for a 1960s Twilight Zone episode. So sure. Yeah, that would totally fit. I, yeah. I guess you'd I guess you'd have to take out the exterior shot to make that, you know, truly authentic at the beginning. Yeah. But take that out. You could totally rock that twist as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, and we don't know what's beyond their property as well. I mean, it, it could be post apocalyptic everywhere else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that was kind of my thought, like, oh, they've constructed this bunker. There's only three of them. And so he this inventor has, you know created just some semblance of a normal life which they're right. keeping to a minute by minute schedule right yeah <laughs> as um uh, something else i recently talked on about a podcast is in the the cia interrogation manual if i remember he said it was page 76 which is alice in wonderland techniques for interrogation have you heard of this Ooh, no i have Th- not this is basically just um you know doing things that don't make sense for the person you're interrogating so when they leave their room, you go and you switch the clocks. Um, you, you you serve lunch at like 4 p.m. And then you uh-huh. serve dinner at like 4.10. Then you don't serve another meal for like eight hours. Oh, my God. Um, if, when they give you good information, you get really angry at them. When they're obviously lying, you praise them, things like that. And wow, the idea is reality breaks down for this person. They're inside. They can't see the sun. So time has lost all meaning for them you know their interactions with people no longer make any sense so what you're saying is that's what uh gul madred should have done to picard oh for sure yeah probably was to a certain extent <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah I, I mean we don't know we they, we didn't get shots of the cardassian clocks much you know but <laughs> yeah, right. or, or or when they were serving the b- bizarre you know living worm things so <laughs> yeah but we but, do uh, know that he uh, he wanted to mess with them with the lights, so we got that for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I I was just thinking like this would be the opposite. Where in in my post apocalyptic scenario, they've got everything down to the minute to keep themselves sane. Right. So, yeah. So if they wait until yeah. six thirty for dinner, that just throws everything off. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean. I mean, for me, that that's kind of thrown off. My my daughter started junior high this year, so I have Mondays off. So people are at work at okay. school, and you know, it's like five thirty dinner, and then six thirty we're gonna take mm-hmm. a walk, and then I take a bath and play guitar for a while. But now she gets home at seven, does kendo, right? She goes to bed later. She's got homework. I'm like, what what do I what am I supposed to be doing now? <laughs> I mean, look, we we are pattern seeking primates, and uh, you, you see how easy it is when you're well, you know, you were in your quarantine for a while, and when I was on vacation not that long ago, like you literally forget what day it is sometimes i mean that that's yeah that's a very real thing so sometimes this pattern needs to be a little hyper intense for other people it's a little bit much for me uh but i i I get the concept but if you really want to have some fun you manically ask your friends what year it is (laughs) (laughs) i'll try that I got a friend, uh, you know, you ask him the time with without a pause. He'll always answer. The time is now. <laughs> Dude, I really need to know what time it is. <laughs> That's great. But hey, the time is now. So whatever. <laughs> he's, he's not wrong. No, no. 
Um, oh, uh, here we go. Here's a note I wrote. Um, when you were talking about the robots complaining, especially the butler, and um, mm -hmm. uh, just another one of my prehistoric, not prehistoric, but um, analog. Mm. I was, I was kind of like this, like bot rage on Twitter, where they're all like arguing with him because he's created these things, and now they're like giving him guff. So. <laughs> so they talk back. Oh. Yeah, that was the early one. Uh, what else do I got? I was thinking a little bit about um, AI, the movie mm -hmm. AI. I mean, oh, yeah. AI, the concept too, but um, the idea that you know, Haley Joel Osment's character, I don't do. do He's got a name of some kind. I don't remember what it is, but um, how he's supposed to like entrain himself to mom, right? And the whole problem is when mom is no longer interested. Yeah. Right. And the Jaina doesn't. I I couldn't really tell where she was. Like if she if she really did leave, if she'd be crushed or or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I was even wondering if she could like like it's it is the normal world. She could go somewhere, but maybe like you know like there's a power source, and if she leaves. She just didn't work anymore. That sort of thing. Well, yeah, I mean that that that's the thing. Like for how long, you know? If it's first of all, it was raining outside. If if she or any of the robots set foot outside, do they short circuit? You know, if they go to a restaurant and she tries to drink a glass of wine, does that immediately stop all the gears from turning inside? You know, so and how do you recharge at night? So these might all be things that are built in that are very easy to cover at home. But as soon as you get outside of those confines, you're, yeah, you, you've created a whole world of problems for your uh, for your robots. I think also by mentioning AI, the thing that we're really missing in this episode is the Jude Law pleasure bot. Um, <laughs> that's, so that that's that that's in the basement. No, that's okay. not, that's in the attic. Excuse me. Okay. Yeah. And, and Basements Mrs. where they Lauren, don't go. Yeah, Mrs. Lauren knows where that is. Yeah. 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 Because. Uh... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they talk about, oh, you're gaining a, re a rebellious spirit on us now. Whereas an uh -huh. AI, he basically goes mad because he's so obsessed with mom. So it's kind of the opposite reaction where mm. Jane is becoming less and less entrained with her, her parents. Where yeah. uh, be, an AI, he becomes absolutely obsessed with yeah. his mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know that, that if that leads anywhere, but that was certainly a, a thought I, I had. The other one, I do wonder if this is the first, I guess it is the first Jaina. They give the impression that this is the only one they've made and, you know, they change her function at the end, basically. I, I got that impression, too, just because of the, uh, you know, the, the photo books and everything that she was a one off and um, not that old. Because she was talking about, you know, the, the there are no baby pictures, there are no, um, yeah, no no childhood, nothing of her growing up. So she would have only looked like this for so long. Um, yeah, she seems like she seems like the prototype of this one that has this streak of indiv individuality, this streak of rebelliousness uh, that the others just don't have. But that did make me think a little bit of the the Matrix, where Neo has that streak of rebelliousness, and and the whole idea that the the first iteration was like too perfect, right? And people mm. couldn't accept that. And this, mm -hmm. so I was sitting there thinking, is this situation like too perfect? I mean, boring, but you know, perfect, <laughs> right. perfected as in like planned out, which is driving her mad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that's the interesting. It's like that one little spark 
that is set off by the repetition of the schedule, the repetition of the the perfection of everything around here. Like all it takes is that just that one percent difference in the programming to get fed up with that. If you know she didn't already get fed up with something else, whatever it was going to be, that then sets her down this path to self discovery, um, which is just entirely too much for her parents to take. I, I wonder if the more modern ending of this, instead of ha- the shock soap opera stab cut of her now being the maid giving a massage, would be her just like, you know, jolly and laughing because she basically had her memory wiped of the past week or so. Oh, interesting. So she just kind of starts over. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like that's kind of, we, we like cyclical stuff these days, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting because Twilight Zone, uh, Every episode just does so much and and sort of takes on so many different ideas. And yes, this one is about the futile search for perfection, um, which I could talk to you about a Star Trek species that does that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also something here about conformity and the um, the, the sort of the, the sad... The, the sad place of conformity for Jaina, because we're meant to feel some sympathy for her, that she wants to have a life. She wants to get outside and not have to do things exactly as her parents want to do in this, uh, this gilded cage that she lives in. But then the, the ultimate fate is like, no, 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 you, you are stuck to be this exact thing that we have programmed you to be. That's the tragedy of it, because maybe if they just let her go, then she could grow even further beyond her programming. And wouldn't that be a thing to behold? Although she's going to have a weird trip to the hospital. <laughs> well, that is true. That is true. You know, hey, uh, I bet her father could build some uh, build some robot doctors at a hospital to take care of her and her robot guts. That or that are robot doctors, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, one one of the other regulars on this show, Andrew, pointed out, and I think this is a good episode where the the best Twilight Zones, you just don't see how the characters could continue past the end of the episode. You're right. right. I, I think this one is yeah. definitely like in that wheelhouse. Like, mm-hmm. well, in the case again, her character's been like wiped away, which we have mm-hmm. another female character who's whose personality has been wiped by the end of the episode, which. And, and I'm yeah. not like saying he was out for females. I think that that was kind of the statement, like, you know, right. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. not yeah. supposed to make you happy or anything. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So uh, I guess I'll roll into my my regular questions for each episode. The first one, of course, being uh, who in this episode went into the Twilight Zone? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, is it meant to be Jaina that is going into the Twilight Zone? Like, by discovering that her reality isn't what she thinks it is, I guess that's it. Uh, I feel like the the Laurens, Doctor and Mrs. Lauren, don't really change at any point in this. They they don't. They, their reality is interrupted, but it doesn't actually change. They are back yeah. to where they started. Well, again, know? I was mentioning the Matrix, and they literally are the the architects of this particular Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah. E- everything we see in this episode has been curated and designed by them. Yeah, 
and everybody else is just a bot. So uh, yeah, I think the only one is Jaina. Which brings to the, are we going to say that Jaina has that special spark of life or not? If she does, okay, yeah, sure, she went in the Twilight Zone. If not, it's just, you know, malfunctioning. I'm going to guess mechanics in 1960. Right, right. <laughs> like she's got a but, Babbage computer in her head. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> But that, that's what's so interesting about any time you come across a story like this about, uh, and as we always said on Mission Log, um, manufactured intelligence rather than artificial intelligence because um, the intelligence is still there. Like that's that's the important part of it. It's just not naturally occurring. And far be it from us to say that a manufactured intelligence that is still intelligence is anything less than a naturally occurring uh, intelligence. So whatever it was, whether she was programmed with these sort of self-reflective um, sort of existential thoughts in her head or a bit of programming allowed her to evolve to that, that's still a pretty remarkable thing. And the question about whether or not she is aware kind of becomes academic at that point because she's doing all the things that an aware person would do. So I'm much more interested in that than just sort of saying, like, is she alive? Isn't she alive? Well, she's certainly behaving like it. So, so did, they, did they murder her at the end, basically, then? We, I yeah, mean, it's they, kind of, it's, it's kind they of a lobotomized her. Yeah, yeah I, I was about to say, it's cuckoo's nest. Yeah, yeah, they lobotomized <laughs> her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To, to so. make her fulfill the role that they are comfortable with. Yeah. yeah. Oh, where are you on boy? You're gonna have to have the same conversation about Tuvix, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, for benefit of the doubt, let's let's give her her sentience and yeah. and say, does she deserve this blast of awareness that is crushed? <laughs> oh man. You know, I, I like to think that maybe there is a part of that that stays in the mechanics and all it takes is the right catalyst the next time around for her to get back to that place you know or she's trapped inside and it's even more horrible oh right? my that, god that... you just made it even more tragic <laughs> <laughs> that you know back wow. to um, we, that back to cuckoo's nest we need um yeah. the, the the tall dude to show up with a chief. pillow yeah Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so. wow that well, again, it's like, where does this episode go from here? It's like you can barely imagine because the situation is, I mean, it's rough in any form for this, this yeah. Uh, robot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Now, the, the Hoyts of Hoyts, uh, see, the Hoyts, I just like John Hoyt's <laughs> name. Okay, the Lawrence <laughs> yes. yes. barely phased by this, it seems. Yeah. Like, they don't seem to have an iota of guilt about it. I mean, they're letting her give massages now. Or having yeah. her give massages, I should say. So, yeah, they're 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 kind of monsters at that point. But but you know, I, I I guess they are so steeped in it. They well, pr primarily Doctor Hoyt just created these, you know, the, these machines that might as well be a toaster or a microwave oven. And I know they didn't have microwave ovens back then, but you know, we're getting close. Um, so to reprogram it, to eradicate the bug 
from that machine. Um, I guess they can live with that, but it's very short-sighted then to not realize that, we'll, we'll wait, but that this is maybe a machine that grew beyond its programming. I, I wonder, obviously it would be a very different episode, but if, if this were, instead of her becoming rebellious and learning the truth of the situation, uh, another one could be where they're all relatively happy. She's not being rebellious in this case, but starts malfunctioning, breaking down and discovering that way that Ooh. she is mechanical or, you know, um, artificial, which yeah. would yeah. put the Lorenz in a, they wouldn't be monsters in that case. I mean, maybe they're, yeah. they're not means they're not the best engineers, but Hey, if you're doing cutting edge robotics, you're already, you know, pretty sharp. So yeah. Right. Right. And that would be one that would definitely place the Lorenz into into the Twilight Zone as like participants. So, yeah. um, just just throwing out. I, I was just thinking like when when my daughter was about three, how she was like, you know, th directing Roomba and thinking like Roomba was following her directions. And then you know when Roomba breaks down, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Roomba has broken down. Good for us. But anyway, wow, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Except they use a regular vacuum cleaner. Anyway, but yeah, that was another thought. Like one that would be, I guess, a little more sympathetic. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Not not that anything's wrong with the way this one runs. It's just you know it's a bitter pill in the end, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No. But I mean that that's and you have to wonder when developing a story like this one, do um, is that ever a consideration? Like, well, what if the Laurens have some sympathy? What what if it's Jaina that is breaking down, or or however you want to get to that point where they actually have to learn that this is something more than just a collection of machine parts you know that that could be kind of cool and hey i don't remember very so they, they might they might do that at some point i don't remember so <laughs> well i'm thinking we, we talked about and, and i'm sorry the title is escaping my mind right now but the one where you've got the astronaut serving his time on a planet alone and they bring him the robot woman and he develops this friendship relationship with her and at the end she gets left behind or she gets <laughs> shot in the face first well yeah uh, <laughs> even worse even worse yeah uh, um, that's the lonely by the way the lonely there you go yeah. there you go um but I, yeah like like what if that one had been allowed to play out differently where he's like no 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 i i have to stay because now i have this person may not be a naturally occurring person but i have this being to take care of that that fulfills me somehow you know um well the catch there is uh i think i remember that one saying we're not coming back so if he chose that he'd know he would not get resupplied and would be right. dead within six months right so. yeah yeah <laughs> living in a keep, keep raising those stakes desert. yeah uh, you know they they're going to crash the, the ship into the asteroid next week, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> the, the pro, whatever. So I, I didn't even hear about that. And yesterday I, I was, was on CNN and had the live updates. I was like, that's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> it was very so, cool. So, yeah. and it, it was my breakfast. So I was like eating breakfast while watching a pro crash into an asteroid. It was fun. That's awesome. That's <laughs> Especially awesome. the last picture they got, the, the two seconds before hitting. I was like, oh, that was a trippy yeah. picture. Yeah, I was like, how the rocks stick to that, you know? There's a lot of detail on that asteroid that was very cool. Yeah, I was thinking about gravity in Super Mario Galaxy, <laughs> where you jump from <laughs> ball to ball, and the gravity's all wonky. So <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, on the tripometer, uh, zero being not trippy, five being very trippy. Where do you want to place this one? 
Um, well, that that's kind of the problem with this episode and with other episodes like it. If this is if this had been the first time I'd ever seen this story or the first time I'd ever seen a story like it, then I think it'd be right up there with like a nine or a 10, right? But the problem is it's one of those episodes where you just feel like you're waiting for the twist. And it's sort of like the after hours, like the, the after hours is a better told version of this kind of thing where somebody's reality, reality is totally destructed it turns out they're not human. There's something else. And they, they've got to deal with that reality. In this case, she doesn't get to deal with it. She's just turned into essentially a robot massage slave for these twisted old people, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, so maybe the, the trippiness drops down to like a, like a five or a six. And that's to say that it is trippy. It is weird. But it doesn't feel as original or quite as dramatic as some of the other versions of this kind of story. Okay. For consistency, I got to math that down to 2.5 or three, but that's fine. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. that's fine. I was yeah. just going to say, cause I, I'm going to go a little yeah. higher with, uh, okay. I, I wanted to, I almost wanted to say four, but maybe because of what you're saying, we've seen it before. I, I, I have to go with the, the nerdy decimal point, maybe go 3.75. I, I um, think that is very fair. 3.75. Yeah. The That's reason good. being, like you said, we've seen a bit of it before. I'll, mm. Yeah, I'll go with the after hours. It's probably a better version of this, um, especially with all the creepy mannequins. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But the, like I was saying, they have, they're hitting sci-fi concepts that they don't even have the vocabulary to properly discuss in this episode. <laughs> right. Um, right. What do they say? Memory tracks? Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, that's so weird. What, yeah. what, what do we call it? engrams? I guess we'd say now something like that. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah memory engrams. Some, sounds... Something trapped in the positronic matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But here's it's yeah. a memory track. <laughs> 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 it sounds like the yeah one of our deep south you know theme parks or something. Like. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Rod memory track. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be cool. But yeah, yeah. yeah. With you know, I'm thinking about the Matrix. I'm thinking about Philip K. Dick stuff. I, I guess he was writing by this point, but they hadn't started making all of his stuff in the movies. So, right, right. <laughs> well, that yeah. that yeah, he got kind of the short end of the stick because right after he died is when they made everything he wrote into a movie. Oh man, I, he did get to see a cut of Blade Runner. I heard so at least oh, okay, I don't know. Cool. I don't know which cut. Maybe he saw the one with the narration. But <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at least he got to see that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the 80s is where a lot of these concepts really kick in. Yeah. Even Star Trek has a little trouble with in the late 60s. I mean, you know, is an Android sure. or a robot? How's this working? They're, they're not that far past this sure. state of being able to discuss it. Yeah. Uh, being future sci-fi, of course, they can like, you know, ice break. They got an ice breaking ship in that case, basically, where yeah. Yeah. this one's a little lost in the ether as far as uh, those concepts. But just the fact that they're considering them, I think, is, is worthwhile. So, yeah. <laughs> uh did you have any other any final thoughts on this episode no i mean i i think we hit them all you know i i was um the the first thing that struck me which we we did right at the top was the the stylistic difference seeing something shot on videotape in this period is a little jarring but i feel like they did the best with it that they could so my hat is off to them for that and yeah, I agree with you, like the dealing with an idea or multiple ideas here for which 
they hadn't even really developed a language for. I, to, to handle what they did in 30 minutes is pretty impressive. And again, like in this weird, fatalistic, tragic way that the Twilight Zone somebody sometimes likes to do, just sort of like, well, we met this very interesting creature and now she's just resigned to her fate being a massage slave to these creepy old people. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I, the other thing that I thought of when I was watching this uh, is it, it, there's a, a little parallel for me with the movie WALL-E. You know, that, that was a movie that absolutely tells you like, look, humanity, given enough technology, will just get fat and lazy. And these people were just totally resigned to that life where it's just like, well, the, the, this is what we got. We're just going to stay here in our comfortable home with all of these machines to do our bidding. And that's good enough. Maybe they um, all should have been 400 pounds. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, and it, But, you know, it, it's a double-edged sword because there is something okay about carving out the life that you want. There is something okay about creating comfort for yourself. And I don't think this episode purely condemns that, uh, but it shows this weird, twisted way that that kind of pursuit of personal comfort can also cut you off from the world and, and cut you off from any sort of sense of discovery or surprise or humanity. You know, yeah. also um, one person's perfection is not everyone else's. Think of all the snark that Dr. Lauren has. Uh, I already yeah. threw the restaurants at you. It's like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. exactly what I want. Um, right, right. The other two that I was thinking is uh, every room precisely 72 degrees all the time. Right. <laughs> little warm for me. I think I'd want to survive and I'll throw on a shirt. <laughs> it's the optimal uh, optimal temperature. Yes. Uh, yeah, little, yeah, I'd like yeah. a little cooler than that myself. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but, but yeah, yeah no, it, that, that's exactly it is that, it, well, his version of perfection, it, great. If 72 degrees is perfect for him and never eating in a restaurant is perfect for him, okay that that is your perfection. You deserve to be able to live your life that way. Um, However, he has now introduced somebody into that world for whom that is not okay. So he's lost the ability to compromise. His compromise is I'm going to erase your memory track and I'll make you do what I want you to do. That that's the twisted authoritarian (laughs) version of comfort that isn't just getting along with other people. I do want a chair designed for maximum comfort. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, <laughs> come on. This one is this one is no. This one's not there, and I've leaned. It's <laughs> yeah, leaned slightly. That, that, that looks pretty good. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty right. good, but it's yeah. getting a little older. There's a work chair, um, almost like this. You know, the nice cushy computer chair. But people have come at an angle for years so much. When you sit in it, it oh, instantly it like lopsides. Kind of <laughs> leans. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so not good. Almost fallen out of a few times. <laughs> These chairs are good. I just, I, oh, yeah, no, I, I don't have the, the recline active. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. yeah. This, uh, thing, this just whole lean, room needs some leaning in this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, it actually is Monday. This coming Monday, as far as uh, 
we're concerned and as far as people are hearing this so i guess what's up next week is a good way for you to plug <laughs> Ooh, oh my gosh so uh we did cold fire maneuvers comes out this week that'll be the current episode maneuvers on uh mission log and then the one after that is something great i'm sure um, no I, actually I, I i do know that the episode we recorded after that whose name escapes me um resistance liked, I gotta resistance <laughs> we, we liked very much thank you we liked that very much um and then we we should be going into episode seven of lower decks on mission log live and then uh sadly sadly on sci-fi five we will have wrapped up zardoz fridays so you can go back and for the last four Fridays of Sci-Fi 5, get our epic telling of Zardoz, the 1974 Sean Connery movie. I, I keep um, tentatively scheduling out for the Sci-Fi Sanctuary and then like chickening out for something else in the end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like I know only, it has to be done. <laughs> it's only five minutes. You got to. You yeah. got to. I yeah. Just, yeah. I got I to gotta, I gotta get the full Connery, right? Oh, you do. <laughs> You do. There's a lot of him to behold in that movie. Yeah. I will. Um, actually, I, I, something I've noticed uh, is I get a. I think I like Deep Space Nine better for Star Trek, but I get ahead on the Voyagers. Like I'm like, like I'll like binge them and then not watch them for a month. It's weird. Well, they're they're kind of easy to digest in that way. Like the, the it, because. I, at least I find for Voyager, when we hit a bad episode, it's easy to just kind of forget it and move on. And then when you get a good one, it's it's like a nice, pleasant surprise. But they are so episodic that they just kind of work well that way. But, of course, DS9's strength is its longer storytelling and really developing those characters over time. So I, I guess that's like if I got ahead on that and listened to your podcast, I'm like, well, I don't yeah. know what's happening anymore. Voyager, not not a problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. As far as this podcast, it's Time Enough Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can throw us a dime at Patreon. Keep the lights on where we are. Podcastio, podcastiest. We talk about those aforementioned sci-fi films. Uh, there's some stuff for the gamer with Luke Loves Pokemon and Monster Mash, where they talk about Monster Hunter. And the Game Game Show, which is usually four British guys screaming insults at each other. <laughs> Sign me up. I was on, I could probably arrange that. I, was, I, 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 quiz <laughs> I quiz mastered an episode, and he was like, apologizing to me after i'm like dude i listened to your show i know what happens there <laughs> uh, nice nice but uh okay yep yep i just did my thing there that's cool i'm, I'm gonna i don't know i don't have a good snarky ending for this i guess i'm gonna replace your personality i don't know <laughs> <laughs> like hey, we my... will erase your memory tracks and uh, don't worry it, you won't even remember yeah now i'm gonna go to a restaurant that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> do it do it get some good greasy food on a dirty plate that's what I'm going to do tonight. I predict within 10 years, you will live in a push-button world. Piles upon piles of human bodies will be heaped in our thoroughfares as a warning. 